This episode of Man School is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Go to casper.com slash manschool for $50 towards any mattress. Man School, life from the men who have lived it. With your host, Caleb Bacon. Man School, Man School, Man School. Man School, Man School. With your host, Caleb Bacon. Welcome to Man School. My name is Caleb Bacon. I'm a writer living in Los Angeles. And yeah, I'm technically the dean of man school, but I'm very much a student here as well. On each episode, I talk to inspiring men about their defining life experiences and how the hell they got through them. That's what you've come to expect from the show that has been released fairly regularly. But uh, man, I have fallen off and it's nothing personal. I'm a fan of you. I do love that you're listening. But in the past two months here, I got married which is very cool, and the newlywed thing is a lot of fun. We've done a bunch of travel before the wedding. We went to Las Vegas, Austin, Texas. Wedding was in Santa Barbara. Recently went to Cabo. Not quite on a full honeymoon, but uh, just a little little honeymoon break. I'm not sure if we're going to have a chance to do a, a big old honeymoon. So for now, I think a bunch of, bunch of awesome short trips sound good. So two months into this marriage thing, I gotta say, it is pretty easy. I am liking it. I don't know why people complain about it. I don't know what could possibly go wrong. And I am being a little sarcastic. But I but it's it's really terrific. Got me a lovely, lovely lady. I recommend it. The other thing that's had me off of the podcast lately is I have been writing like a maniac and I've just needed all the mental space and concentration to focus on the script. So unfortunately, that's meant not putting out podcasts. But the writing pays for my rent, and I love my career. So doing that, and I think good things are about to happen. We'll keep you posted for sure. Now, today's podcast is one I recorded about two months back with my pal Andy Ruther. He's a stand-up. He's the co-host of the Dirty Sports Podcast, along with Joe Prano, a wonderful and filthy sports-related podcast that I've had the pleasure of doing that is also over on the Sideshow Network, sideshownetwork.tv. In fact, their podcast is such a phenomenon that Ruther's co-host, Joe Prano, is getting to throw out the first pitch at a Mets game soon. Throwing out the first pitch is definitely a dream of mine. I don't actually see it happening and I'm okay with that, but man, does that sound cool. Ruther's also an on-air personality over on Sirius XM on the show Dirty Pop with Lance Bass. Yes, that Lance Bass from NSYNC. And since today's podcast is brought to you by my friends over at Casper Mattresses, I want to tell you what they're all about. What they're about is changing the mattress game. They're an online retailer of premium mattresses selling to you at half the price. Which is good because the process of buying a mattress has historically sucked. The going to the store, the lying there for two minutes and pretending like you can actually tell what's going on while the salesperson stares over you and charges you something with a notoriously high markup. So Casper cuts the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms. And they pass on that savings to you and me. 
Well, a Casper mattress is one of a kind. It's a hybrid that combines latex foam with memory foam. I do love that foam. With a Casper mattress, you're getting an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right sink, just the right bounce in the mix of latex foam and memory foam. Come together for better nights, brighter days. Because if you're not sleeping well, your day's not going to be so bright. Casper offers a risk-free trial and a terrific return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days as free delivery and painless returns. And the mattresses are made in America. Good old US of A. I'm sure all this sounds very expensive, but it's $500 for a twin-size mattress. And if you want a king-size mattress, $950. And compared to what I paid from that stupid big store down the street, that's a great deal. But guess what? It's not even going to cost you that much today. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash manschool. That's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash manschool. Casper.com slash manschool for your $50 savings. And just a reminder, Manschool is dedicated to the power of one guy sitting down and talking to another. So now I bring you The Head Injury with Andy Ruther. Andy Ruther, good to see you. What's going on, man? I like you're wearing your Cincinnati Nasty Boy shirt. I am a uh, diehard Nasty Boy fan. That's the last time the Reds won the World Series was 1990. I went to game one of the World Series, actually. Were you a fetus? <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually in third grade. I was, okay. I was eight, about to be nine years old. Okay. Do you, do you remember it? remember everything vividly. I, I wrote a rap song. So I, my first music that I really loved was rap. My first cassette tape I ever bought was MC Hammer's Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Oh, I had that cassette tape. You remember tape. that? Oh, yeah. Classic. I used to dance. I literally would dance in my room. Probably should have been on Ritalin. I was a little ADD kid. Dance to the music in my room, but I, was, I loved rap. So get this, Caleb. I wrote a rhyming rap. Awful, looking back on it. But actually, I remember some of the- Feel free not to perform it, by the way. If you're inclined to perform it, you don't have to. <laughs> seriously don't. You know? Some of the one-liners included things like, Eric Davis is famous. Paul O'Neill, he's the real deal. Mariano Duncan, really something. Those were some of the rhymes that I wrote. But here's the best part. I go to the game with my dad. He takes me to Flanagan's, which doesn't exist now in downtown Cincinnati. The Reds were huge underdogs. Oakland had just swept the Giants the year before. My dad takes me in a bar because... That's a great spot to take a eight-year-old, right, before a uh, Cincinnati World Series game. Yeah, good point. You know, what else are you gonna do? Right? Maybe risk a DUI with your eight-year-old kid in the car. Sure, Dad of the Year. So anyway, we go there. They're doing a live radio show. I'm the only kid in there, and my dad says they're they're doing a Q and A. He goes, see see if they'll put you on air. So I go up there, and and everybody's just cracking up. There's some kid answering questions, and then. The, and then my dad says, go up to the host at a commercial break. See if you can do your rap. He goes, do you have it memorized? Oh, no. I said, I have it memorized, Dad. And he goes, ask the host if you can do your rap. So I, I, I'll never I tugged. He was like the Bengals' second or third string quarterback who hosted the show. I tugged on his shirt and was like, um, sir, can I wrote this rap about the Reds. Do you, do you care if I sing it when we go back on air? And he's like, that'd be great. So I go back up there. 
you could you could hear a pin drop in this in this <laughs> in this fucking bar. It's completely quiet. I do the rap, and then the place just erupts. And I guess that maybe that was maybe the first time I ever actually performed, which is kind of weird looking back on it. And uh, then the Reds won seven to nothing, game one of the World Series, on the way to a sweep in Oakland. You think that's why? Yes, because uh, Paul O'Neill, he's our hero. Or Paul O'Neill is the real deal. Oh, that's right. That's right. Rob Dibble, nothing rhymes with Dibble. Yeah, I don't think I had Dibble in there. I was uh, I was in high school, and when Rob Dibble and Dan Patrick were doing their radio show together at ESPN, they would do it from the ESPN zone in Times Square sometime, and I was with my family and. You know, when you're a kid from the suburbs, and you're like, oh, my God, ESPN Zone, Times Square. Big deal. We got to go there. Yeah. And uh, I met Rob Dibble, and he and one of the Nasty Boys, of course. And at, like, six foot four, a solid, you know, 250, 260, he, he had his World Series ring on. And it still looked huge on him. And I remember thinking, that's the coolest piece of jewelry. You know what's crazy? He, a lot of people don't realize this. He and Randy Myers were the NLCS. They shared the MVP award. Think about that. When's the last time a closer shared it with another closer for the National League Championship Series? Probably it, it, never. It's probably, yeah, it's probably a crazy stat that no one's ever repeated. Yeah. He's an intimidating figure. I don't know if you remember. He got in a fight. We actually played this on, on my podcast a few weeks ago. He got in a fight with the Reds manager, Lou Pinella. Can you imagine in 2015... If a manager got in a fight with the player and it was filmed and they're both swearing at each other, like it's a different era. I ate so much fun when I did your podcast. Yeah, you were great, man. Thank you. I'm glad that you came that on. Such a, it's such a fun format. It's, uh, it's really laid back and, and we, have, we, we have an interesting group of fans. I mean, we call them dirtballs because they are. Uh, but they call in and... You know, we, we now have two two hockey correspondents are our fans. We had a contest. So we have an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference, and we have people call, and they had 30-second auditions, and they're so bad, but it's so funny how bad they are. When I, you know, when I was on your show, like, guys were calling up, talking about, like, hookups they'd had. Yeah. That it wasn't your normal hookup story, because it kind of, <laughs> I don't know, there was, like, a certain sadness to it. That was funny. Yes. and Because it, it wasn't like, you got to bang this hot piece of ass. It, it was just different. It was the, I, think, I think when you were there, Caleb, it was the kid who... The Philadelphia girl. Yeah, he banged the Philadelphia girl, and he, he like hate-fucked her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's weird, because they, they look up to me, because I'm notorious for just hooking up with like girls that I might not even be that attracted to. Like I take what I can get. You know, I'm a very, very low standards type of guy. Which I feel like is not the most uncommon thing, but how upfront you are. Yes, I, yes. I own it. Yeah. I own it for sure. Joe and I are completely different in that regard. Completely different. Oh, she's disgusting. And I'm like, here's my deal, man. I don't like putting forth work. If, if a girl is willing to come back to my little Venice Beach smut shack, as I call it, yeah. then... Why Why would I try to go for the next best thing? And there's uh, plenty of people listening now just nodding their heads in a green, <laughs> but maybe not saying anything out loud in quite, well, quite the way that you do to a regular audience. I, I can be, the, I can be the, the spoken voice for these people. I can be the, uh, the advocate, I guess. Also, like, uh, I had a phase like that. Like, that's not the most uncommon. I feel like it's common enough. You know, when I quit drinking, that changed. 
did that did that change your perspective on hooking up when you when you quit drinking? What I what I noticed was there would be like certain girls that I would like get their number and like go out on a date with, and I noticed I had like this feeling in my stomach that I was just like, man, if I had a few drinks right now, I could tolerate this nonsense. Ah, and I and I knew that was a bad thing. You know what? You and I could totally relate then. Because I haven't had a drink for about a year now, and, and that was one of the first things. It was like, I can tolerate you enough to bang you. Now I'm just going home and jerking off. It's different. And, I'm gonna, and I have no problem accepting that. You know, you know what's weird for me, Caleb? I don't know if this happened to you. It scares a lot of girls. Whereas I would think they'd be happy that I don't drink. A lot of them, like I was supposed to meet this girl from Tinder about two months ago. You could tell. She's like total party girl, ready to hook up. Meet me on happy hour, blah, blah. We've been texting for about a week. I told her, I, I was up front. I'll meet you at happy hour. I'm not going to be drinking. And she's like, I'm not going to feel comfortable. And it turns into this, wait, wait, wait. You're making me feel uncomfortable because I'm being sober? And you're going to just be a train wreck? Like, how did you pin this on me? Like, you're the one clearly that has an issue, not me. I've spent some time trying to figure this out. And it's when you go after the party girl, they feel like you're shining the mirror on their behavior and they don't want to see that. Like, so the party girl wants to be the party girl. So then if, if she's going to feel like she can't be herself around you because you're not drinking, she can't be herself. And maybe she realizes herself probably could, uh, you know, have a few less Smirnoff ices. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes total sense. So, if you don't go after the girl who's like, I'm already at happy hour, just meet me here, then you, I think you'd find less resistance with that. I think uh, for me, it's just it, a lot of it just, and I've never been the biggest fan of young girls anyway. It's just you eliminate those. Like my Tinder is set 25 to 50, but I yeah. love the, dude, once you hit like 40 and up, they don't, I love it. They don't care. Oh, you don't drink? Great. This guy's not going to be a train wreck. He's not going to have whiskey dick all night. He can bang me out a few times. Like the, the old chicks love it. I, lo- I love women in their 40s, by the way. Talking about drinking is a good way to, to segue into our topic for the day about your head injury. Because a lot of your listeners, it sounds like they may have had head injuries. <laughs> now, I don't know if they have or not, but you have. Yes, they, they call me on the Dirty Sports Podcast. They call me Dent Head. And now some of the listeners have embraced this and call themselves Dent Heads. I like that. Joe, Joe tossed it out nonchalantly, I think maybe after you did the show, and they just loved the term dent head since I had a brain injury. <laughs> it's funny how they're clinging on to the brain injury. Like, oh, they oh, love I it. want one of those. They love it. Yeah, well, you're their, you're their leader. <laughs> Before we talk about that fateful night, let's talk about what you were like leading up to that. Hard drinker. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, here's the thing with me. I... I like to binge, so I wouldn't, there'd be times I'd go months without alcohol. You know, I've, I've always been pretty disciplined, like, with, with, with working and, you know, caring about my career. And I know a lot of people say that, but, you know, you know I'm a good worker, and, and I know that. So if I was focused, I wouldn't party, but then, yeah, man, there, there'd be those nights where, I, I let's say, I'd be texting you, like, I'm getting fucked up tonight. Like, I'd let you know at like four in the afternoon, bro, I'm getting wasted tonight. And yeah, man, I would, uh, I blacked out a lot because I would just binge. I, I, yeah, me too. I didn't stop. Yeah. 
but with, uh, you know, you, you also being a stand-up, you're going to be in more places where that's uh, socially acceptable. Yes. Too. Yeah, for sure. But the weird thing is, I don't really, I never really blacked out much. And I don't really, I never drank really when I perform. But aside from like the time you're on stage, there's alcohol there. Yeah, no, for and sure. And you can hang out at the improv. Yeah. Till whatever time. No, you're night. right. Yeah. You're right. Like the environment's right. And especially, I mean, I don't, I'm not a stand up, so I don't know what it's like, but. Do you experience some kind of relief when your set's over? Like, oh, now I can have a few cocktails. You do. You do. I can totally see that. Like, uh, whether it's good or bad, there's for sure the relief. Ah, oh, you know, the hard part's done. The quote-unquote work. Now I can slam, you know, 15 Jack and Cokes. Yeah, you don't have to remember your jokes. Yeah, exactly. Especially for me, I'm like, I don't have to remember that 10 minutes of the crowd being like, did you really just do a whole bit on masturbation, you loser? I can go drink in the corner. And so, with your drinking and your blacking out, had you had many notable consequences before your injury? Yeah, uh, actually, that's a good question. I ignored a lot of signs. I, I passed out once in a random girl's apartment in college, which I thought was my brother's. Now, this was not a girl you had been spending time with. No. This was, I thought I had walked into my brother's apartment, which was, his bedroom was the second second room in his apartment and I walked in the second bedroom in apartment caddy corner in the same building and she called the St. Louis PD. So the, it was just unlocked? Yeah, it was just unlocked. Actually, she was there. I was so blacked out. She was When you walk in, there's the TV room and and my brother was like, I went to St. Louis University. He was pretty popular on campus and they used to always like joke around, call him the mayor. I literally apparently walked in and she said, who are you? I said, it's cool. I'm Greg Ruther's brother. I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm gonna go sleep in his bed. Because all the apartments, you know, it's campus housing are set up the same. So yeah. in every campus housing was, there'd be two, this is a four bedroom place. It's two, two bedrooms, bathroom, two bedrooms. And I, I literally did exactly what I thought was his. And she's like, what? And I went and I hopped in that room. And what did the St. Louis PD have to say? That was an interesting one. They, is that uh, how Ferguson started? Yes, actually. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> it was from me passing. It's funny that you bring that up because that was actually some racial stuff. That was my first time ever getting racial hate as a white guy. It was two black cops and they were threatening me saying, oh, you going to the big house, white boy. They kept calling me Cracker, which is the first time I ever like genuinely was called Cracker. You're going to get raped in jail, Cracker. Oh, you're going you're gonna to get all the brothers all up in your ass. I was terrified and I was cuffed. And so your blackout had uh, ended. The, the blackout had ended at that point. When you realize that uh, you know a, a guy named Jamal is going to be shoving his dick in your ass, you're like, time to sober. That's, okay. that's, a, that's a sobering experience. You're not drinking anymore, but it, it's, it should be a good reminder to stop drinking. But I clearly ignored that. But yeah, my brother, I was literally in the back of the cop car, and finally somebody got a hold of my brother who was at the bar across the street to tell the girl, dude, he's <laughs> going to jail. Like he didn't touch you, he didn't harm you. He just was. I'm going, you know, he just fucked up. And she finally got the cops to let me go. So that was like a major sign. And uh, I totaled my dad's car once in college because I wanted a White Castle. Ran over a fire hydrant. Did you get your White Castle? No. I, I left on foot. I, I was charged with leaving the scene of a crime. I walked back to my parents' house, which was like a mile away. This was Christmas break, uh, 2002 from school. And cops were already waiting there to cuff me. Were you in a blackout? Yeah, that night I was in a blackout. I but I, same thing. I kind of came to after you run over a fire hydrant and an airbag hits you in the face, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sober up. So in the movies, when you see somebody really drunk and like their friends like throw them in the shower, 
they should really be throwing them into a fire hydrant. Like that will <laughs> that will have them snap out of it. Yeah, have them actually run over a fire hydrant, have an airbag hit them in the face. You know what the best part is? My friends were following me who are also drunk, and they're like, "Dude, you just ran over a fire hydrant." And this is like literally like an old geyser <laughs> in Yellowstone is shooting out through up through the engine, and I just this was my one liner to my friends. Man, I'm fucked up. Like, yeah, bro, you just ran over a fire hydrant. You're clearly fucked up. Uh, you know, I'm guessing you were not injured. No, I had my seatbelt on and uh, the airbag too. So, anything where you got injured? Yeah, God, now I'm starting to remember stuff. Uh, I did a show once at Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green is it Bowling Green State? I don't know. Up, up by Toledo in Ohio, and. Uh, after the show, the kids got me fucking hammered. And yeah, was this one of your famous frat parties? Yes, this is one of my famous frat boys of comedy shows. Because you were literally doing stand-up shows at frat houses around the country. Yeah, I did that for a couple of years. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Right? So I did that, and uh, I went home with some girl who had a boyfriend. And I was so fucked up. And he walked in, and we weren't we were like fooling around, and he beat the fuck out of me. I got six stitches in this left eye. This left eye's taking a beating, actually, because because I lost all my movement in that after my head injury. And yeah, man, I was I found myself wandering the streets of Bowling Green uh, in late November when it's snowing with no shoes, but bloody, also bloody all over my face. Did you see him coming, or all of a sudden you're just getting fists in your face? Fist in my face, thrown down a flight of stairs. I had a bruise like this big. Do you think it's because he saw your comedy? <laughs> He's like, you're not going to fucking make out with this guy. I've seen his jokes. <laughs> his jokes about porn comments are not funny. <laughs> when you had these uh, incidents, after any of them, you're like, maybe I should change my behavior. No. You know what? I embraced... I was always the life of the party, and I loved it. But it's weird, because looking back on it, my good friends know, they go, Andy, all the dumb shit you've ever done, a lot of like these Vine videos that you do or like weird stuff for comedic effect, you've done most of that sober. Like, you drunk is just kind of like maybe a heightened version of you. Like, you'll say stupid stuff sober. Like, you don't need the booze to be the quote-unquote life of the party. And that's kind of something I've realized. But would they say that to you back then? Yeah, nobody really said that to me back then. They, they, they liked, especially in college, and then I lived in Vegas for two years after college, everybody liked, like, oh, Ruther's going to be a mess tonight. It's going to be entertaining. There's a lot of people who party hard, but not everybody blacks out. That's like a thing that scares a lot of people. They're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't drink like that. For me, that didn't really factor into why I stopped drinking. I, like, I blacked out all the time. So, and- you, so you were like me. That's interesting. I had a lot of uh, what some people call like brownouts or grayouts. Yeah. Where it's like, um, I know we went to Jennifer's house, but I don't know what happened there. Now, do you know, is, is that a genetic thing? Because, yeah, I've, I've always blacked out easily. And a lot of times it doesn't mean that I've had that much to drink. I just black out or brown out easily. It, like in my case, it was only after I had drank a ton. Yeah, that, that's going to happen where if you can stay coherent and you can drink a certain amount, then your short-term memory is just not going to get converted to long-term memory. But if you're blacking out after not that many drinks, that just may have, be something to do with like, how your body metabolizes alcohol. Yeah. You're, just, you're just special. That, that was always the thing in college. My friends would say, Ruther, you drank as much as me. We're about the same height, same weight. Why are you 
why are there pieces of last night that you're completely missing? Yeah. And I'm not, especially on nights where we just drank beer and there was no hard liquor. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that. I just know that. You're, you're not a doctor. This isn't this no. is this isn't a this isn't a doctor show. I thought Caleb, I thought I was gonna get um, scientific and medical advice here. I did have a two point four GPA in college. It's impressive. That's that's you know I get to be the guest speaker at a college today. I saw that. Yeah. University of Georgia? You go Bulldogs. How did that happen? A guy followed me on Twitter and asked if I would speak to the class. So it was via Skype. Uh, were, you, were you wearing pants? Because they wouldn't know if you weren't wearing No, pants. I put on a polo shirt, and I think I had just some shorts on. Was but. that the first time that you gave a, uh, a talk to a college? It was, yeah. And I let them know that I had a 2.4 GPA. And then whenever anybody asked a question, I made them state their name and GPA. And it was fun. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it, was, yeah, it was great. I um, gave, that's cool. I gave my first high school uh, interview last week. So was this your high school? No, it was a kid. He followed me on Twitter. He's like, I think you're funny. And yeah, and he he called me and he'd interview somebody in in a in any sort of professional field, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I can't believe I got a comedian. I'm like, well, look, dude, you got. I told him you have the most low level. Your your Bill Burrs and your Louis C.K.'s got shit going on. They're they're not going to be doing this. Well, interview. they're doing like the commencement address at NYU. Yes, you you should do that. By the way, you think they you think they would enjoy my stuff? Have you have your den heads? Right at college. I should, well, you know, this is actually Brain Injury Awareness Month because we need an awareness about everything now. Summer's here, and that means baseball is here. And that makes for a perfect time to check out DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy is not a season-long thing, and you can make some cash quick, instant gratification on your fantasy baseball skill. So you don't have to wait till the end of the season because you can win cash every day with DraftKings. The way Daily Fantasy works is that it's a brand new season every time you play. There's a guy named Peter from Colorado who won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just from fantasy baseball. And Peter from Colorado, if you're listening, you want to make a donation to the show, you want to be friends, you want to give me some pointers on DraftKings, let me know. Hurry to DraftKings.com right now and enter promo code SCHOOL. You play for free. And that means you can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. So use promo code SCHOOL for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, that's DraftKings.com. The night when you had your famous head injury, what town were you in? I was in L.A. And how did the, how did the day evening start? It was, uh, it was the final four, actually. Like, I remember it vividly. Kentucky was playing Wisconsin in the first game. Wisconsin dominated. They blew at the very end to, to Kentucky. I, I was at a bar. One, one of my friends went to Wisconsin. So we're at a Wisconsin bar. And, you know, it's, it's a typical day drinking, as they say, because things start three hours earlier out here. I started boozing at about three or four in the afternoon, just drinking beer. We ended up going over to somebody else's house. And, and here's the irony about this night is, I don't really mess with the hard stuff. Never have. You're not, yeah, you're not a drug guy. No, no. Marijuana, that's about it. I've done mushrooms a couple times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys are all doing cocaine. And I'm just the guy drinking his beer. Which then I got my head injury, which the moral is, you know, maybe I should have done more cocaine. I don't know. Yeah, do a little blow. You'll be aware of your surroundings and not bonk <laughs> your head on stuff. So we ended up going to uh, comedian Eric Andre had a big birthday party. Uh-huh. Are, are, do you know him? Yeah. Okay, so I don't really know Eric. It was like a friend of a friend sort of thing. 
my friend knows him really well. Like they go back to their New York days. And it's my friend Josh Filipowski. And I told him, I'm not going to know a lot of people here. Not that I get uncomfortable, but I'm like, just don't, don't ditch me all night. It's a huge party. He's got like this rented out, I don't even know what you would call it, in like the Silver Lake area. One room has a bar. The other, you know, one room has a giant dance floor. There's a whole other area with a, <clears throat> another dance floor and a band. You know, it's a huge thing. What does he do? The minute he sees me, he hugs Eric. Those guys do a bunch of drugs. Whatever, fine. I pretty much am just drinking by myself all night. But you're like a friendly social guy. You're no, not... For sure. When you drink like that, are you just uh, more of an introvert? No, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm, I'm definitely always extroverted, but here's the problem. We got to this party at probably 10. I had six solid hours of boozing in me. And then I made the rookie mistake of going from beer to liquor. I probably remember up until about midnight... And then the next thing I remember is uh, I woke up on a sidewalk in downtown L.A., probably about three or four miles from the party. And do you know how you got there? No. I walked, I assume. And so I, when you, you wake up on the sidewalk, what do you notice? So I'm wearing a, a light blue hoodie, and there's blood all over the front of my hoodie. And then I realize that my left ear is just caked in blood. Did it feel cut open? No. And this is, this is the crazy thing. And they say this about brain injuries. You don't know. I literally just had a hangover. And, and I'll be honest, I've woken up in so many different random spots throughout my life, whether it's a sidewalk, a subway in Europe, uh, next to a random girl I don't remember, that I literally didn't think much of it. Oh, had another Ruther blackout night where, where I wonder. That's my problem when I drink. I'm a wonderer. Like, I don't, I don't get, a lot of guys get angry or aggressive. I like to just kind of mosey around in my own little, my own little world. Was there anything different about this one, or you're just like, all right, got time to go home? No, yeah, I was like, okay, this is. Uh, I put the hood up because I had all this shit going on in my ear, and uh, my phone wasn't on me. Which then I did remember. Oh, dude, you did bring your charger to the party and you plugged it in the wall. That's gone. Uh, but I had up my wallet and everything on me. I still to this day don't know what happened, and I took money out of an ATM and hopped in a cab and went back to Venice. So you're thinking, all right, everything's fine, no big deal. Just need some, get some sleep. Exactly. I shower, you know, cleaned out all, all my body. There's, all I have is a, is a hangover. Sleep it off for about six hours, go over to my buddy's place, grab my car. And my buddy was there with his girlfriend. I told them my story and they did say, maybe you should go to ER. But then they look, they literally both take a look at me and they're like, yeah, but you, how do you feel? I go, I feel fine. And I was like, I don't feel like paying $250 for the, the, the copay for my shitty HMO. All this blood on you, do you know where it was from? It was from my ear, and I just assumed I hit it. But it wasn't like internal bleeding coming out of your ear, like you had cut your head? No, I guess maybe it could have been. Yeah, no, it, actually it really wasn't. It was, just, it was just from the left side of my ear. The next day was Monday, and I, I said, you know what? See a doctor. So I go to urgent care in Santa Monica, and I tell him my story. Same thing. He doesn't tell me to go to ER. He, he says, he says you, have a, you have a bad ear infection, so we want to get a CAT scan and take a look at that. Um, but little did I know at the time, I was essentially bleeding out my head, pretty much dying. And I don't want to be dramatic, but that's literally what happens when you hit your head. Well, a brain injury is a pretty serious place to have an injury. Yeah. It's kind of important, right? Yeah. Now, our... Now, are you like dizzy or do you have no. anything like that? 
No side effects. Okay. That's what's so crazy. I don't know if you know how Liam Neeson's wife died. Uh, she was skiing. She hit a tree and didn't think she was that injured. It's the exact same thing that yeah. happened to me. Minus the skiing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you hit your head. You, you don't realize it. That's what's so scary. There's no visuals. So even this fucking doctor is telling me, oh, we got to get a CAT scan. But even that, I needed to get a referral. Welcome to the welcome to the whole healthcare system. So that's Monday. Mind you, the party was Saturday night. I can't get in to see my doctor till Wednesday. So the next day is Tuesday. I had a show that night. Probably like an hour before the show, the left side of my face stopped completely working. Oh, that's a good way to let you know that you should get that CAT scan, right? <laughs> you know, when you say stop working, what what did you notice? I couldn't move my left eye. I couldn't move the left side of my mouth. The whole left side of my face just went numb. and So you felt that numbness? Yes. But he gave me very strong meds the day before. What kind of stuff are we talking? I, for, I, for, I forget what it's called, but one of the side effects said can cause severe numbness. Numb face. Yeah. So in my head, I'm thinking it's the same side that, that my ear is. It's the left side. It's just, it's just numb and everything. It's, it's attacking whatever sort of infection and it's just attacking it we're even joking my podcast partner joe prano's on a show with me we're literally joking did you have a fucking stroke what's going on with ruther's retarded looking face and so you did your set i literally did a set with half a face of, out of the right side of your mouth yes and this is so this is not distressing you all that much no and, and you know it goes back to kind of what you said i've it's like i've had so many drunken incidents that I'm just not even giving it two thoughts. Yeah, I, I was like that too. And hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm not. You know, I you know, I, I'm just not one of those guys that just go to the hospital. But then I go see my doctor the next morning, and he instantly says, "You have to go to ER right now, like as soon as possible." Was there any blood coming out of your ear at that no, point? There had been none since I showered. Nothing. Okay. And I go to ER, and I thought. Okay, I just have an ear infection. And then that's when my life changed because then they're like, oh my God, you have a traumatic brain injury. We need to get this guy in for MRI. They're shoving you know, IVs in me. We have to reduce the swelling. And I'm like, what is going on? They're like, you're going to be in the hospital for a few days. And that's when like, I just like started crying. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah, it was like, I called my mom and I was like, I'm in the hospital. Like, I don't, because I they didn't know. You know, they got to run all these tests. And they, so when they tell you that you've had a traumatic brain injury, this was pre MRI? Yes. But they just, they just know. They know. Wow. And so you're freaking out. You call your mom. And she's like, relax, you know, everything's going to be all right. And I had actually never stayed overnight in the hospital. Yeah. So we did some preliminary tests. And the next day I had a big scheduled MRI. And my mom actually flew right out from Cincinnati. They gave me my diagnosis. Essentially, I fractured the back of my skull. And what that did was it pinched a nerve that cut off the whole left side of my face. Jeez. So that caused something called Bell's palsy, which never happens from an injury. Like, it's actually a decently common thing. It's, it, people can get it from, it's a bacterial, you know, infection. So women can get it when they're pregnant. Men can get it where it, 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 it's a weird thing where it just numbs one side of your face. Um, but mine was caused because it pinched the nerves when I fractured my skull. And I also had brain hemorrhaging. So, you know, the doctor tells me, strip tells me, 
you're lucky to be alive. You should be dead. And can you really grasp that? No. And even to this day, it's like, like it's weird. It's weird to explain to people because, you know, I don't like when people get dramatic and like it was life changing. Like, no, this shit was life changing. But it's also you were, you went from everything seems normal, everything seems normal to this massive news. And so I think that like big jump is got it's like hard, especially what well, you had a brain injury, so you may not have been thinking as well as you even thought you were. Yeah, no, like, it how is. Did you process it, that. It's it, it was pretty surreal, and my mom was in the room and. And I started crying again. You know, I'm, I'm, I can be emotional, and that was just really tough. And not that I'm like this big religious person, because I'm not. But when you hear like you should be dead, and you were, you know, then she's explaining you're walking around with this, like you're driving a car. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about. And she, she had told me she thought I should never drink again, because when you have a brain injury, it can also trigger seizures. Even after I got out of the hospital, I was on anti-seizure meds for a good 30 days. Did you have a seizure? No. So how many days were you in the hospital total? I was only in for three nights. That's a good amount of time to be hanging out in the hospital, though. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot of time to just think. And that's the thing. I was in a room with, uh, I was in a room with this Mexican guy who, did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. Do you know the guy in the wheelchair? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was my fucking yeah, roommate. With the bell. <laughs> the the guy with the bell that was my roommate in the hospital, but yeah, it's dude. It gave me so much time to think. My mom was awesome. She was there all the time. And what got me through a lot of it, which sounds crazy, is I have some insane, uh, like podcast and Twitter like followers, and they were tweeting like the meanest things, but it made me laugh so hard. I, I don't know what your tweets were from the time, but were you sending out like pictures of you in your yeah. hospital bed? So stuff I was like, like yeah. yeah, I'm wearing an eye patch because I couldn't close my eye. So you had to wear an eye patch, and, you, and they had to give me like self-lubricating drops. And I'm tweeting that out, just, you know, it's like, too many cum shots to the eye, like, you know, did the dick accidentally poke you in the eye when you were sucking? And it's like, it was making me laugh so hard, though, and to this day, that was like one of the best things ever that I needed, was just laugh. Because your mom was probably not providing that kind of levity. No. No. She was probably so freaked out. Oh, yeah. So... Um, yeah, so, you know, I got out and then, and then the whole process started where the next 30 days kind of really sucked because dude, they give you such, I was still on steroids for 30 days because people don't realize when you have a brain injury, it kind of just heals naturally. Like, like when you fracture your skull, they don't, there's no cast for your head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They don't don't put like a, uh, you know, it's weird, like cast exactly on your head. It just kind of heals. And, you know, for 30 days, I was on steroids, which really made me tired and anti-seizure meds. And then I had to literally learn how to reuse my face. So I had to go in physical therapy and I had to do a lot of stuff from home. And so the Bell's palsy, do you still have it? Yeah, I think, I think you can see there's certain things that'll never be, it'll never be hundred percent fixed. It's weird because this one eye squints more now. It went from Hmm. it wouldn't close to now it closes too much. So now, now all my podcast and po- Twitter followers call me like lazy eye, and they're just, they're just dicks. Well, anyway, Droopy, um, <laughs> <is> it, <laughs> tell me about physical therapy for your face. 
So most of it's at home. You literally have to do these exercises. So you didn't have to like go to a clinic where it's like guys who's got back from Iraq. I, I did do that too. Oh, you did? Okay. So you do both. But the main exercises were twice a day at home. You literally had to relearn. And, it, and, and, and you know, it's weird because it's like the stuff out of the movies when there's that one breakthrough where like, oh my God, I could, I could move this side of my eye a yeah. little, or I could move this little part of my mouth. I mean, if I showed you pictures, I didn't really realize how bad I was. I looked like a straight-up stroke victim when I got out of the hospital. Jeez, well, that makes sense. Yeah. What, did you have anything happen like you would go to take a drink of water and it would spill down your face? Yeah. I'd use a straw. It, yeah, it, it was just the whole thing was weird, and it made me... Maybe it was a form of depression. It's just, you know, you don't want to go out. Yeah, that's depressing. I've never been... Like, I'm a personable guy, and, and, and I'll be honest, like, I've never had a problem meeting girls or, like, you know, just, you know, but that was, like, the first time in my life where, like, I was really self-aware of, you know, how I looked and how I felt. Well, it's your face. Yeah. You know, you hurt your arm, put, put on a sweatshirt. Yeah, and, and as you know, with stand-up comedy, speak, you know, I had slurred speech, and, you know, it was, it was, it was the word that was, the, the letter that was tough was F, which was funny, because I'd be like, what are you fucking <laughs> talking about? In this, in your, like your early recovery, how did you feel about your life? Because your mom said, I don't think you should drink again. I mean, I had plenty of people say that to me, and it was like, yeah, 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 but you don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. I, I the, the drinking I really wasn't, that was kind of the easiest part. But you were okay with taking whatever sort of temporary or permanent break from booze? Yeah, that, I tell people to this day, that's been the easiest part. As far as my life goes, it really made me think, what, what, do, what, do I, what do I like in life? What do I enjoy? I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy comedy, whether it's stand-up, whether it's a podcast, a tweet, a Vine. And I kind of felt like I cheated death. I mean, I did. So I kind of felt like I kind of have the, the I don't give a fuck mentality. Like, I've kind of felt like I already had it before, but now it's more... I don't care if if you don't like me or if you, you know, if if what I said might bother you. I'm not just going to say things just to say things, but it really made me think I want to enjoy things that that I want to do. It's a different way of not giving a fuck. Yeah, exactly. It's not so much like a careless not giving a fuck, but uh, using it to motivate you in positive ways. And, and, and that's the thing, Caleb. I think I think it's it's not just about the comedy or what I, just in life. If you're somebody who I considered a friend, I could care less. I'm just not gonna fucking talk to you anymore. Life's too short. I, I should have been dead. You know, whether it's a girl, a guy, whoever. Um, you you mean if somebody's not acting cool? Yeah, or just, just move on. Yeah, I, like like I was already pretty good about cutting people out of my life, but it it felt like it just honed it even more to where it you know. But it also gave me an appreciation for, you know. Dude, you're a piece of shit. Like you, you need to, you need to use whether it's through comedy or whatever, what you can to maybe try to help out other people. You know, to become a better person. Did, how quickly did all that come to you? Pretty quickly. Really? Okay. So that that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, I and the thing is, I've never felt sorry for myself, ever, and I won't. You know, I'm not the brain injury guy who was shipped to Baghdad. And who was fighting a war. I'm the brain injury guy who got drunk, who ignored signs for 13, 14 years. So that, you know, that's all on myself. Oh, because yours is worse? 
than the Iraq guy? Is what you're saying? I'm saying you're that- you're an American hero. <laughs> that's what it is. You know, I never thought of it that way. That's a good, that's a good spin. You fought a very difficult war against pavement or whatever mystery pavement, object hit you. Pavement and uh, fireball. Yeah, my brother served in Iraq. He literally cheat. He literally survived bombs. He's not a hero. I am. So all this changes. Did you take a break from stand-up? I did, but you know what? I got back in it too soon, looking back on it. I went up a couple weeks after I got out of the hospital, and literally certain words were just all slurred. And like, I could tell when I saw comedians were like, it was kind of elf. Because I, I, here's the thing. I never announced it. I feel like a kinship with my Twitter followers, but I never, and to this day, I've never announced it on Facebook, which, you know, are more of the high school and the college friends. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're, a lot of them aren't on Twitter. So I've still never announced it. So the majority of people I know, unless they listen to my podcast, you know, they, they have no clue what happened to me. They're not a fan of your show. No, good no. point. It's a little crass. Yeah, it is. It's, it was very crass. Yeah, you know, our age group is like 13 to 15 white male. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. It's a very target demographic. <laughs> it's interesting to me that you have all these revelations so quickly. Now, did you have any like cognitive problems? That because like those those thoughts you had are pretty heavy and pretty clear. Was there anything about your brain that didn't feel like it was working right? No, I, you know, at times I think I forget stuff quicker. Like, oh, who was the name of that guy who played on St. John's in 1989? Like, I, I should know this athlete's name. Felipe Lopez. Ah, good call. No, nah, that wasn't 89. No, nah, he was a little later. But Chris Mullen. The thing is, I uh, I think part of that might be in my head, too. Does that make sense? We're like, dude, you're, you're just forgetting it because it's a random fact that you forgot. Like, And like, aging. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's weird. Like, you always have this fear... I always kind of have a fear thing in the back of my head. And, and that's what's kind of tough to explain uh, to like my mom or people who are worried that I am going to start drinking again. If I drink, I'm not going to go out and have 15 beers because I have like a fear that I might die. Does that, does that make any sense? Like, like, like my oldest brother uh, was an alcoholic and, you know, I, you know, and he was really good about reaching out to me, but I feel like, our situations are different. When you say was an alcoholic, is he still with us? Yeah, no, he he's still here. I guess he's he's always considered an alcoholic. He hasn't had a drink in like three or four years or maybe more. Okay. But I feel like his addiction is maybe different than mine, but, but a lot of people in my family have completely different opinions than me. They think, no, it's the same. There's certainly different ways to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I... Like, I had a binge drinking problem, for sure. I mean, I kind of think of... With my with my experiences and I mean I have my own experiences in alcoholism and recovery, but I also love this topic, so I've soaked up a lot of stuff and yeah and materials, and I don't I don't think you have to be an alcoholic to be a drinker who has consequences from their drinking, but most alcoholics do have consequences from their drinking, but you know other other people do too. But I think for for you, whether you feel like you have the disease of alcoholism or not, there's clearly some writing on the wall about your drinking. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. And, and I totally agreed. I ignored it. But the big thing for me, and, and there are times where I'd love to have a couple of drinks. 
you know like like when i'm you know i you know i work on lance bass's show when i'm at gay ski week and uh, we're doing a gay bowling event and it's all gay dudes and gay go-go dancers and everything's gay i'm like oh, i'd be nice to have a couple drinks you know it's it nice to be bowling you know a little little tipsy with a bunch of hot dudes dancing. <laughs> now, were you the guy who could have a couple drinks? Or because of your binging nature, was it more balls to the wall when you would even start? Both. Both, okay. I could easily do both. And, but, but that's the thing I think a lot of my family doesn't realize. Because I'm 33. I haven't lived at home since high school. So it's like, they've seen the bad parts. But you know, my friends are like, dude, we've seen... For as many nights as Andy's blackout are the nights when he had two beers. Yeah, that's weird. Next doctor visit, you should ask. Oh, don't even start on these doctors. I got this Chinese fucking, this Chinese doctor who's my who's my uh, neurologist. Oh, this guy's a train wreck. Your hospital bills must have been pretty nuts. Uh, I I still have to pay them. Because yeah, even with like crappy health insurance, there's no like cut rate neurologist. Or you know, it actually wasn't that bad. I I think the hospital bill, had I not had insurance, would have been about twenty six grand. Uh, I think it came out to be like 3,800. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Did you have to, uh, keep checking back in with your doctors? Yeah, dude, the whole insurance, they recommended a follow-up MRI. My insurance wouldn't even give me that, even though they recommended that at the hospital because I, they said I improved too much. I'm like, how do you know? Cause I visually improved. How do you know that I've internally improved? I would think they would at least want to make sure like your fractured skulls healing, Stuff like that. You think I got? Turned, I think I got turned down. All this, dude. Don't uh, again. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Two four GPA. State school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long ago was the injury? It occurred April fifth, two thousand fourteen. Not that I'm keeping track. So it's almost your year anniversary at yes. the time of this recording. Yeah. Are you getting uh, special special nostalgia or thoughts because you're about to hit a milestone of a year? Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm sure I'll be. Th- I'll be. Th- I've always kind of been a thinker too, and I've lived alone for five years now. So I've worked a lot alone. So, like, I overthink things a lot of times. So, I'm sure I'll be thinking a lot about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just be doing some self reflection and shit. Probably go for a walk on the beach. And how, how do you rate your life with those revelations that you've received because of the injury? It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Really? Yeah. How does that look? Dude, I was headed down a path of just destruction. The amount of times that I drove drunk or, you know, had already put my body in harm's way, I had ignored all the signs. And, you know, I'm not like the most religious person, but I do believe in God. And it's like, you know, I believe somebody was like, dude, you need to chill the fuck out. And uh, this is like your final chance. Don't fuck it up. So have you accomplished a lot more? Yeah, I think with my career, I've been more determined. But, you know, I, dude, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I, I need to start, <laughs> I really need to start, like, doing community service or volunteering at a soup kitchen. Like, like I really need to, look, looking back on it, it has been a year, like, like dude, do more with your life. And, and I think a lot of times I was already kind of ice. It's weird. I'm very social, but I'm also very, you know, isolated too where like i like being by myself a lot but it's like you know that's not healthy like go join a volleyball league get out of your goddamn apartment on the weekends especially if you're not just hung over 
Exactly. I don't I mean, have any That's excuses. a good reason not to leave your apartment, but you, you live by the beach. You might as well go outside on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's been obviously the life-changing thing and coming up on a year, I, you know, I, I will say I would like to smoke weed again. I gave up everything. What does your mom think about that? She didn't even know I smoked weed before. <laughs> Very strict, like conservative Catholic family. Yeah. Just, just, you know, just, just to relax and smoke a couple bowls, whether it's while I'm doing work or writing or watching Netflix. You know, I, I know the big thing is if you should just give up everything together. And that's what they say, but... I know for me, if I start smoking weed, my defenses are going to be down, and then I'm going to start drinking. Like, it's that... Not to mention, you got some cotton mouth. Put, put some beer on that. It's yeah. Perfect cure. But, but I, I just know, like, for me, they're all connected. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I did more drugs than you, not to brag, but, <laughs> but it's just, you know, once, once that party starts a little bit, for for me, it's like I get the fuckets. But then the same thing too for me, Caleb. It's like she told me I shouldn't drink. All my other doctors have said you can drink, just don't binge drink. It, it, it's it's this weird line. Like Doctor Chen, <laughs> he's like, dude, have a few beers, relax. And even if I did binge drink, it's like I've just raised the possibility of having a seizure. It's not like oh. Oh wait, he hit the six beer limit. He's gonna fucking suddenly have a seizure. Yeah, it, it, it's on the table. It's. I'll, I'll put it this way: I had said I'm gonna for sure give up everything for at least a year. Now I'm kind of at that year where it's like, what are you gonna do? But what sucks is I just need a straightforward answer from one of these damn doctors. Tell me, is alcohol that bad? Is marijuana that bad? Let me know because if it is, I won't touch them. You can look at your past year. When you first said, all right, I'm not going to drink, you know, you didn't know how that was going to go. And now you can look at the results you've had in your life because of it. Yeah. And it's like, if you like those results. I do know, like those results. You can stick but, with it. But it'd be nice to have a beer when I'm at the Dodger game. You know what I'm saying? There's certain yeah, times. Spend, yeah, spend $14 on something that's watered down. That sounds great. <laughs> and you know where that money goes. It all goes to Magic Johnson's HIV medication. He doesn't even take it anymore. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you feel any kind of kinship with uh, your head injury peers or concussion, concussed athletes or anything? No. Um, I don't really know any personally. And uh, like I said, I, like, I, like, I feel mine is pathetic. I mean, it's, it's self-inflicted. It's pathetic. And it's a mystery. It, it'll always be a mystery. Whether I was hit, whether I fell, I'll never know. Do you have any uh, words of advice for someone who bonked their head and thinks it's no big deal? Yeah, go see a doctor. If you ever have any potential injuries, go see a doctor. Go to the hospital? The hospital. To the, okay, so... ER. Don't screw around. Did, did the doctor tell you, like, if you went another day without coming in, here's what could have happened? No, we, we never actually talked about that. I guess you didn't really need to. Yeah. I've actually never thought about that until you said that right now. Because if you were hemorrhaging in your brain, there's going to be a point where that's not going to work out too well. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works, though. I know you keep thinking I'm a doctor, Ruther, but I'm just not. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time and honesty. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. It was a good time. I enjoy sharing my pathetic story of loser dump. 
You want more Andy Ruther? Sure you do. He's on Twitter, at Andy Ruther, R-U-T-H-E-R. His podcast, Dirty Sports, in the Dirty Sports blog, is at DirtySports.com. And, of course, Dirty Sports is found wherever you find podcasts. So I'm back. I'm back. You want to say hi? You want to yell at me? At Manschool Show on Twitter, at Caleb Eats Bacon as well. Manschool Show at gmail.com is a good one, too. And there's always more at manschoolshow.com. I mean, if I update it, that is. Don't keep your experiences to yourself. Just be honest and get real. Manschool, 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 Manschool.